In this episode, we find out there are dire consequences when the church gets in bed with the state. It leads to years of mistrust and causes some to literally bury themselves in fear. This is Pulpit Perpetrators. Well, welcome back to Pulpit Perpetrators, where the pastors are real and what they do is even realer. Uh, I'm your host, John, and again, we are so thankful uh, for all your guys' support and listening as uh, uh, the podcast has hit over 1,300 plays. Uh, now, for bigger podcasts, that that's probably not a whole lot, but you know, for for a guy in his uh, basically in his bedroom with uh, not in his studio yet. That's a big step for us. So we thank you guys so much that uh, you're giving us the time of day, you know, a couple of a couple hours every month just to kind of listen and, and spread the word about what we got going on. Yeah, I mean, for bigger podcasts, that's not a big thing, but for us it is. So we're, we're going to take that. We're going to take that win. Uh, we're homegrown and, and we don't have sponsors. So I'm, I'm very happy with where we're at uh, and that people are willing to give that time. Now, if you really want to help us out, uh, please give us that five-star rating uh, wherever you're listening, and please leave comments, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. I don't know why, but some algorithm and some... I didn't do well in math in high school or college, uh, but there's some algorithm that it broadens our audience and it gets gets what I, what I think is uh, really important info out uh, to mm-hmm. people about, about stuff that's going on. Now, today, uh, he's back again, first time this season... My co-host today is none other than the Bishop Aaron Williams. Now, Bishop Williams, if you could uh, just give us a little bit about yourself, you know, for the kids at home, so they can uh, just get a feel for kind of who you are if they if they hadn't uh, got to that first season yet. Yeah, that's the kids at home. That's a throwback. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I'm a Bishop Bishop Dr. Aaron Williams, host of Bishop Brothers, and this is my good friend. Bishop Dr. John J. I'm just excited to be back for another season. You know, we continue just trying to. You know, reimagine church, reimagine world, and, and you know, I think this what we're going to talk deal with today is very important in what we need to deal with in the immediate future in the body of Christ, and that's uh, you know, perpetrators, <laughs> you know, perpetrating the fraud is, is, is perpetrating is going on. So this is this is time, and I and I recommend you go back through all the other podcasts, and, and you'll see reflection. Unfortunately, I says unfortunately of, of what's happening in society right now. Uh, you know, it might not be on the level that. Uh, we uh, the, the stuff we talk about, but hey, it don't take much to get there, and uh, and I can tell you right now, unless something happens, we're we're very close to that. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. I think uh, you know what we're running into, and and you're absolutely right. You know, a lot of the things that happen out there, it's not these types of things don't happen all the time, right? right? right. This level of thing that that we're going to talk about today, and the ones we've talked about before, doesn't happen. But there's a path to that. And I think at any given time, anybody in organized religion is somewhere on that path. And right. I think if we don't, if we're not, as a body of believers and as leaders in the church, if we are not cognizant of the red flags and the things that can uh, create this environment where it can become something like this, um, you know, we're, we're really messing up. We're making a huge mistake. Um, That's right. Yeah. That's right. So it's definitely a privilege to have you back. Uh, Bishop Dr. Aaron Williams, that's a good. That's that's good to say. It's a privilege to have you here. Before before we get started, though, you know, we kind of have to put that 
that warning out that we give every time. So, uh, you know, we call out perpetrators here. And sometimes these perpetrators happen to be pastors, happen to be people in church leadership. Uh, and we do not pull punches. This is not the place for that. You know, if you're looking for a podcast that was going to tell you how great the church is and how awesome pastors are, well, first of all, the name probably should have pushed you away from that. But if it didn't, <laughs> and you're still here, uh, we are going to say not nice things about a person claiming to be clergy, right? One of us. Mm-hmm. If you think we shouldn't air the church's dirty laundry out all over the internets, well, uh, I recommend maybe a Stephen Furtick podcast or maybe a Joel Osteen. That's probably more your more your speed. This probably ain't the place for you. Um, but, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're very inspirational and act like nothing's wrong in the church, and you're going to feel really great after those podcasts, mm-hmm. but you're probably not mm-hmm. going to learn much. Right. But if you are interested in finding out how monsters take over pulpits and how people get abused in these situations, the biggest reason being so it doesn't happen in your place of worship, uh, right. we have a place for you. You came to the right spot. Um, but I don't want to. I don't hear in the comments later about how I was really mean to this guy, and I really shouldn't be mean to <laughs> pastors. Um, quite frankly, I'm not really concerned about your feelings. I'm concerned about the people of God that we've been charged to take care of. So that right. that's where we're going to go. But uh, if none of that scared you away, you were in for a trip today, Bishop. I know it's I know it's Corona season and we can't really travel, but we're 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 going to get on our imaginary airplane, kind of like the magic school bus, but for pastors. And we're gonna not only are we gonna fly across the world, we're gonna fly back in time. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. We're gonna fly to none other than Russia and the former Soviet Union. All right. Yeah, now now some of you may know me and me and Bishop Williams are both uh both serve in the military or have served mm-hmm. or currently serving. Um mm-hmm. I believe the Soviet Union exists when you were playing this game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. definitely in the eighties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so Definitely, the, good times. Yeah. yeah, good times. That's that's a very nice way to put it. Good times, yeah. Good times. So I know you've heard of the Soviet Union. Have you ever heard of a guy named Pyotr Kuznetsov? No. So that's one of them names that you'd probably immediately remember. Pick up. Yeah. yeah, especially yeah. for us over here. But I did find that Kuznetsov is like a Smith in America, right? It's mm. pretty, those are common names. Mm-hmm. So. How about the true Russian Orthodox Church? You ever heard of that? Mm-mm. Yeah. No. So you've probably heard of the Russian Orthodox Church, right? That's the, right. Na- that's the national church in Russia. Right. Uh, that's part of the Eastern Orthodox Church and that uh, that denomination. Um, so I do have to tell you, though, Bishop, almost everything about this guy was written in Russian. And so mm. me and Google Translate had to work throughout the week to kind of get it into English to where it's workable. Yeah. Uh, and then I got through with it and I was like, awesome, we're ready to go. And then it made no grammatical sense in English. So mm-hmm. I may say some, some things strange, uh, and that's because I, I don't know how to translate Russian and I was relying on, you know, Google translate and Google translate knows how to translate the words, but maybe not how to put it in grammatical sense. So right. this is one of those, I did my best, but we can still laugh at it. It's still pretty funny right. um, because I don't know Russian. The, to me, the biggest thing about this this case of, of all the ones that we've done, it's unique because it highlights something that a lot of these cases typically don't highlight, mm-hmm. and that is how government and law can directly affect religious practice. Right. right. Also, we have to highlight 
that uh, Piotr's cult, I think it's important to say this, is not in any way associated with the Russian Orthodox Church or the Russian True Orthodox Church, which separated from the Russian Orthodox Church during the Communist era. So you have the, you have the Russian Orthodox Church, you mm-hmm. have the Russian True Orthodox Church, and then you have Piotr's group, the True Russian Orthodox Church. <laughs> this, is, this is like the ba- this is like the Baptist of Mississippi, you know they got yeah, Baptist, yeah, Southern Baptist, Missionary Baptist, mm-hmm. you know. Independent, Freeland, New Baptist, Old Baptist, <laughs> Young Baptist, oh man, County uh, Baptist, non-county, yeah, yeah, liberal, free, conservative, right. not free. I don't know, but <laughs> they got all the Baptists. So that's kind of what's going on here, and it's also interesting how that actually came up we'll, we'll talk about that and why like why it ended up that way uh, but it's very it's very interesting that that's how that works um, but what you'll find here is Russian politics and Russian Orthodox history both play a massive role in the why right the why was the cult created why was it why was it successful why did people even get into you know, because when we're sitting here armchair quarterbacking and we, we look back on the beliefs of these cults, we're like, that's crazy. Right, right, right. Who who on earth would think would believe that or think that? Yeah. Um, but when you get into the why, which is very mm. important, and that's where we mess up, right? Because mm. that's that path. That's that that way that we can that our church is gonna end up down this road with the wrong person in charge. So, mm. you know, the why is very important. But in this case, why was the cult created and why was it successful? The answer is actually very simple. It's government interference, government oppression, right? Mm. Uh, so, as you know, quick history lesson for those of us uh, that did not serve in the Navy uh, against the Great Red Army. Uh, in December of 1991, the Soviet Union collapsed into 15 separate countries. Uh, the end of the USSR sh- really shocked the world. I mean, mm. I, I even remember as a kid when it happened. I was young when it happened. I mean, I, I, I think I was in elementary school. Um, I'm dating you. Sorry about that. But I was in elementary school and I heard about it. And I remember the globe changing. I remember there used to be this huge red country on the other side so of the globe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like the next school year, it broke into like there's like, like all these countries I'd never heard of, couldn't pronounce. And they were all part or they were basically like states within the Soviet Union, the way we would look at like Texas, New Mexico, right. Oklahoma. Uh, same concept. Right. But that. USSR collapses, these 15 separate countries emerge, and it it shocked the world, but it also kind of shocked uh, the Russian psyche, right? People moved, as as they began to move forward, their ideologies changed, Mm -hmm. and they began to take different route. And and why? Well, that's because the USSR was was a totalitarian, centralized economic and political system, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, from the communist philosophy of Karl Marx, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's... Karl Marx had an issue with religion, right? And so by proxy, the Russians had an issue with religion once they became communists. Karl Marx's quote is this. Everybody remembers opiate of the people, but there's so much more to that quote. The, the whole quote is, religious suffering is at one and the same time the expression of real suffering and a protest against real suffering. Religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of a soulless condition it is the opiate of the people. Karl Marx didn't just say, you know, religion is for weak-minded people. He said, not only is religion for weak-minded people, but religion oppresses people. Yeah. Right? Now, I'm not a communist, and I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the things Karl Marx said, but I think he kind of hits the nail on the head here when it comes to 
the church, when it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing or mm-hmm. starts to get in bed with the state, mm-hmm. he's not wrong here. Yeah. yeah. When you think about it, you got to think about it, though. It's like, yeah, it, does, it is oppressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, and we and we see it every day. I mean, I'm yeah. you know you don't you don't even got to go to Russian stuff. You can come look at mm-hmm. our stuff. Just go look at MSNBC, CNN, Fox. You'll find it. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that, so because Soviet policy towards religion uh, was based on everything else that Karl Marx had written in communism, right? Was to suppress and eliminate it. Um, so for you know right after World War One up until 1991, religion was in essence, outlawed. Now, the Russian Orthodox Church wasn't outlawed, but there was a reason mm-hmm. for that, and we'll get to that. And that's actually that actually causes this problem. Yeah, so Soviet policy towards religion was to suppress. Uh, freedom to believe in religion after decades of state atheism was on the rise, right? People, it was like a whole new world had opened up to these people. They were actually allowed to go entertain the concept of God and entertain the concept of the Russian Orthodox Church. But not only that, um, interest in religion overall skyrockets across the Russian mm-hmm. Federation and the ex-Soviet states, right? Russia's former traditional religion, the Russian Orthodox Church, rapidly expanded. It built more than 20,000 new monasteries from 91 to 94. Mm-hmm. The The Russians also joined other foreign faiths, right? So the Jehovah's Witnesses, Latter-day mm-hmm. Saints movement, Islam, mm-hmm. Buddhism. I mean, there's all kinds of, because it's all these brand new things that are that are new to them. Right. Um, now, with that comes these brand new religious sects that are kind of sprouting from within, right? Which happens in any state and in any any country, any religious setting, you're going to have offshoots. That's That doesn't mean the offshoots are evil or bad intrinsically. Right. But unfortunately, this whole, and we're going to kind of paint this picture, but this picture produces a fertile ground for cults, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, as the interest skyrockets, um, it became... So explosive uh, with many fringe and cult groups that the Russian government actually became concerned on its effect of the people. Right. So, the you know, the, the new Russian government, which used to be the Soviet government, mm-hmm. uh, allows freedom of religion. And then they see this explosion and they see all these other things going on, not only within Russia, but in the world as a whole. And they mm-hmm. become concerned, especially with these fringe groups. Right. So what the Russian government tries to do, like case in point, within Russia, there had been attacks by Chechen rebels who were Muslim. Right. I don't know if you remember that, but like 95 to 97, Mm -hmm. uh, the the Chechens tried to separate from Russia. Um, I mean, they're still they they still have issues in Chechnya and and Dagestan Mm -hmm. and like little places like that uh, from that. But there was also the 1995 Tokyo subway gas attack. Yeah. Right. Remember that the sarin gas attack. Mm -hmm. That was a religious French cult. Right. Mm-hmm. So by 1997, with the Chechnya stuff going on within and things like Tokyo going on without, on top of what, what was going on in the United States, Ruby Ridge mm-hmm. was going on. Right. Uh, Waco happened. Waco, yeah. Oklahoma City happened. Yeah. Right. So there's this explosion of issues happening on the outside. So the Russian government says, hey, we don't want that happening here. We need to get a, we need to get a grip on this. Right. We got to mm-hmm. figure this out. So the Russian Duma, which is their Congress, passes restrictions on religion because the mm-hmm. government fears it's influencing the minds of Russians to do terrible things. Mm-hmm. So, so we have these outside political influences that are affecting religion in a very negative way, right? This occurs mm-hmm. in different ways in this country as well, and many Christians will mm-hmm. inform their faith by their political stances, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
that that's a very dangerous thing to do, right? You, yeah. you cannot inform, you know, your faith based on politics, right? That's right. a very backwards way and very anti-Christian. Combustible. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm comfortable using the word anti-Christ. It's anti-Christ yeah. to start with politics and end with religion, if that mm. makes sense. Oh, this is happening right here. You know how we, you know, people say, you know, just think about it. Are you Christian? I'm a conservative Christian. I'm a liberal Christian. See, there, that's when you're going down that road. Like, right. when you put, you know, I'll sit in the Bible where you define your political, Jesus, Jesus didn't say anything about his political status. He didn't say, I'm a Pharisee believer. I'm, I'm a uh, Sadducee believer. He just, you know, I'm from God. I'm sent from God. But we tie our, you know, even pastors. You say, mm-hmm. pastor such and such. Is it a conservative pastor or liberal pastor? Yeah. I mean, really? That's what, that's that's slippery slope. Right. Yeah, and unfortunately, at the bottom of that hill, if you go down that slope, I mean, there's plenty of off ramps, right? There's plenty of times when you can switch that and switch it up and you don't have to go down that route. And, and I'll be, to be fair to you know, Christian churches out there, a lot of times before it gets to this, where this is going to end up going, churches turn away. They turn back. They they turn that off. They move away um, because there are intelligent people in church, uh, but sometimes it can get through. And when it gets through, it's really bad. Interestingly enough, though, so check this out. So Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, along with the Russian Orthodox Church were considered traditional religious status by this new law. But Roman Catholicism, Pentecostalism and evangelical American style churches were tightly controlled in Russia in the nineties. I think I have a, I think I know why, but we'll, we'll continue with the story. And I I think the story will kind of tell itself why. So it's in this, it's in this really murky government interference, oppression. So it starts with interference. Then it becomes oppression, right? With, with Soviet era. And then it becomes restriction in the new era, right? In the new Russia. It's, it's through this whole process that this guy Pyotr is born, right? And he grows up in it. Right, so he grows up. He's born in the '60s. He grows up in in not only the Soviet Union, but a really in the Cold War, right? A really harsh mm-hmm. time in the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. and it's this government meddling and interference that kind of enables him to draw his followers in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so all that all that stuff on the outside plays into this. So this guy Pyotr Kuznetsov was born in 1964 in a village called uh, Paganvka probably just murdered that i'm so sorry mm-hmm. russia i don't <laughs> it'll i wish i could say it get better it's actually gonna get way worse before it gets better uh in the district of pinza region about 400 miles southeast of moscow so uh, as is true uh of many from russia his young past has kind of been lost to history especially uh in this region uh where electricity was considered a, was considered luxurious living right like if you had lights in your house that was considered luxurious if you had you know, this is a very rural, I would akin it to probably the very rural areas of the Appalachian Mountains, like in West mm-hmm. Virginia and Tennessee and places like that. Um, but worse, because not only is the, you know, learners they're running water or electricity, it's Soviet and mm-hmm. everything you do is tightly controlled. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, we do know the family members and him were all members of the Russian Orthodox Church. Uh, now, to, to learn a little bit about the Russian Orthodox Church, it's very Catholic in appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, in many ways, it worships the same, but it does have some differences. For example, the first big one is they don't recognize the Pope as the Vicar of Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's actually why they broke away, was because they saw the, uh, the bishops 
of the different geographical regions, they were called um, equals, right? Mm. Well, the Bishop of Rome began to believe that he was the first among equals. You see, mm. I kind of try to change that a little bit. Yeah. And so the Eastern Orthodox Church breaks away. Now, this happened over a thousand years before this incident, but mm. it's important to remember that because it's that type of teaching that, that influences this guy early. Yeah. Right, so the church's origin... Oh, the other one is that uh, the Russian Orthodox Church doesn't have statues or crosses in their churches because they are considered idols. Instead, mm-hmm. they have pictures called icons, and you've probably seen them. They do really nice mm-hmm. ones, like with the gold inlay, and mm-hmm. um, but they're always they're always one dimensional because anything two dimensional or three dimensional is now an idol. Mm-hmm. So that that's why their pictures look that way, which I think is it's done a lot for their art. It's very fascinating. The church's origin, so the Russian Orthodox Church is commonly believed to have been. Uh, the Apostle Andrew, who was said to have reached Kiev and started a community there. And then about 600 years later, uh, Princess Olga of Kiev converted to Christianity in 945, and her grandson Vladimir the Great made the Byzantine Rite of Christianity, or the Russian Orthodox Church, as it's later called, the official religion. So mm-hmm. um, so that's how, that's how the Russian Orthodox Church becomes the state religion of, of Russia up until, uh, in, up until 1920. So... Back to kind of Piotr a little bit. He's not a he's not an unintelligent guy. He mm-hmm. actually holds two professional graduate graduate degrees and was a civil, wow. he was a civil engineer. Wow. Um, so he graduated from the Penza Civil Engineering Institute. After graduation, he remains in Penza. He gets married in 1989. Uh, at that same time, his son is born, and then about 1997. Now, kind of pair that with everything we just talked about mm-hmm. and kind of what's going on in the world. In 1997, Kuznetsov leaves his wife and returns back to his hometown. Okay, mm. so let's let's talk about the guy, right? Let's put it this way: you got a church, you're looking for a pastor for this church. You know, you had you got your pastoral search committee going, and you mm. got a couple resumes out there, and you have this guy who has high education, long history in the church, but he's divorced. Um, now is divorce a disqualification for ministry? Thank God, or, mm-hmm. or I would not be a minister, right? Um, yeah. But why you got divorced could be, mm-hmm. right? That that can absolutely be a disqualification for ministry. Or if you're not doing it because your your family's your first ministry, so if you have a child and you're not taking care of that child, how how would I expect you to take care of my church? Right. Right. So. Right. It's not a disqualification, but it can create problems. I don't know if you've ever seen that or seen pastors go down this road. Yeah. Uh, but it creates problems. Definitely issue, you know, when you rock your roll like that, yeah. So I don't know, we call it a red flag, right? Mm, yep. <laughs> See, <laughs> he already knows the language. Flag going up. <laughs> yeah, this is, so that's a red flag, right? His history, yeah. familial yeah. history, very important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very important. Now I know usually this deep in, we were like 16 red flags deep and don't worry, we'll get there. Uh, you know, you might be asking, why is all this important? Why the history lesson? Why do I got to know about this guy's past? Why do I got to know about all this other stuff? It's important because in order to understand a pastor's theology or a leader's theology, it's important to understand the education and the past of the pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is good. This is why good questioning of leaders about their past, their background, their education and background checks are so important, mm-hmm. right? If you know who taught them and how they were taught, you will know their theology before they ever get behind the pulpit, right? So there's questions you can ask and things you can do 
before they ever even get in front of your congregation that can prevent this stuff. This is one of those exit ramps off this pathway uh, to, to occultism. And, and one of the big flags is if they don't want to ask the question, mm. that is a red flag. It is. Huge red flag. I don't, that's a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not an option. Not answering questions is not good. We're right. talking about, no. Right. Any pastor who's been educated or in seminary or has been brought up in a church that has taught them appropriate ways for a pastor to behave, right? Because I, I don't believe that you need a master's degree to preach. I don't believe you need a master's degree to be a pastor. Uh, but you do need training and you definitely need mentorship. And if you've had good mentors, you will own your mistakes. When someone asks you, you know, when people ask me why I got divorced, I don't hide. I don't go, well, you know, it just didn't work out. That's a weak answer. No, I made some mistakes. Uh, I was too young to get married. I thought you had to, in order in order to be a good father, you had to be a good husband, um, which turned out not to be true. Uh, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty, I think I'm a pretty great dad. They don't complain, so maybe they wouldn't complain <laughs> to me. I don't know, but uh, you know, they've done they've done good. My first one, you know, has just graduated high school and got an associate's degree at the exact same time. So I don't hide from it. You know, I own the mistake. I made mistakes. I'm not for, I'm not pro divorce, but I am pro not being in an abusive relationship or any of those other things mm-hmm. that we talk about. But, you know, just simply put, I don't, I own the mistakes, right? I, mm-hmm. I own it. I live in it. I don't hide it. And any mm-hmm. good pastor, if you ask them those kinds of questions, they're going to be forthcoming. Yeah. So, um, so let's kind of get into him a little bit and kind of hit what he's got going on. So in the early 2000s, now remember, 97, Russia passes this law. Mm-hmm. Right. All these other things are kind of going on. Uh, there's a huge mistrust of the government and the church. Right. So in the early 2000s, Kuznetsov, uh began writing his own religious manifestos. Now, that's that's a problem already. Right. Yeah. But he begins writing. He, he begins writing these manifestos in these books. Um, he borrowed many mainstream beliefs from traditional Russian Orthodox Church. Uh, but he also claimed that government issued passports taxpayer identification papers or IDs all contain signs of Satan. And he convinced his followers to cut themselves off from society, burn their passports and stop using credit cards and even stop eating processed food. Now, I mean, I I like processed food, but that's probably why I'm on a weight loss plan. Um, but okay. I'm, I'm okay with that part, right? I'm not, I'm not saying this, this isn't a podcast as anti don't eat processed food. Uh, but he also claimed to be a prophet of God. And traveled mm-hmm. all over Russia, Belarus, and the Ukraine trying to gain followers. Mm-hmm. So where to start, right? So in those few sentences, the red flags are just the flying, right? But mm-hmm. but before we before we dip into that, where did these beliefs come from? Think about it. Think about what he said, right? And what he's mm-hmm. saying is the devil, passports, taxpayer mm-hmm. stuff, government issued IDs, mm-hmm. right? Um it comes from the mistrust of government. And the mistrust of an organized religion being in bed with the government, mm-hmm. right? So, before, right. so a little history lesson on that. Before World War One, there were about fifty-four thousand Russian Orthodox churches in the Soviet Union. By nineteen seventy-five, they were down to seven thousand. The Russian Orthodoxy wasn't technically illegal, but get this: the government discouraged people from practicing it, and mm-hmm. attempted to control the religion even setting up KGB agents as clergy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So this tense religious atmosphere, you, you can't say it didn't affect this guy. 
right. Right. I mean, just imagine this. So like, this is the, this is the ultimate horrific outcome when the church is not separated from the state. Mm-hmm. Right. Imagine going to confession right now. I know you come from a tradition that doesn't really do confession, right? Mm-hmm. You don't really talk about your sins. You don't have to talk about your sins with other people, but this is one of the rights of um, this church, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine going to confession. Now, when you go to confession, cause I've been parts, part of churches that do confession. Um, you're being very intimate with this priest. You're telling them right. things that you wouldn't tell anyone right now right. in this country, those are protected. Mm-hmm. You can tell, you can tell me you murdered somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm bound by law to not say anything to anybody. Right. Right. Now, if you say you're going to murder somebody, that's different. I have to report that. But if you say you did it sometime in the past, I can't say anything as your Mm -hmm. priest. Right. Now, imagine expecting that from your priest and Mm -hmm. then believing you have this privacy and you're being very intimate. Only your priest is a KGB agent. And you just told this guy how you feel about the state, about your personal beliefs about the state, about your family, about all the stuff that's going on. And now all those things are known by this oppressive government that you don't trust. Mm-hmm. So now do you think you trust the church? Of course not. Right. right. right? Now, I'm not saying what well, we're going to talk about what this guy did. I'm not going to say what, what this guy did was right, but I do understand why. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't trust the government. And that's what we got to understand about people, too, is is people people don't. People aren't reared in a back. They're, they're not raised in, in a vacuum. Right. It's, it's things that they, even even what we're dealing with now, generically in the United States, when you look at the situation, the person or people, it's just, it, look at their story. Look, look at their background. Now, they don't excuse what you're doing mm-hmm. because you're still wrong, you're wrong. But we we, we, we all have a frame of our thought process. We all have a frame of what we're coming from and, and stuff don't generally happen in the, in the background. These people don't just... You know, sometimes I, I'm, well, my point is sometimes people like like people fall for it. It's got like they just showed up and just start doing something. No, mm-hmm. it's, it's a story behind it. It's 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 a you know, and it might be it might be narcissism. It might be in whatever you want to call it, but it's still something behind whatever you what you're dealing with. Yeah, and I, actually, I think that's a really good lesson for pastors, right? Like your your parishioners aren't. This is, I mean, this is true for pastors, but it's also true for parishioners, right? People who go to your church, God didn't make them bring them down with a stork. And then all of a sudden they're a 25 year old that, you know, is just good to go. Perfect. No problems, no issues that isn't affected by a past. You know, all humans are affected by the past. All humans have luggage, right? And this guy has luggage, but the ability to see that luggage and see it early and understand, okay, well, I mean, this is what he's saying, but I mean, look at his background. Clearly there's some problems here that maybe he needs to work on. So again, I'm not saying what he did was wrong. I'm saying what he did was wrong. What I'm saying is I understand why uh, he didn't trust the government. He didn't trust the church because he saw them as the same thing and they were not to be trusted to this day. The actual Russian Orthodox church struggles to overcome its time in bed with the Soviet government. Um, mm. And, and, you know, I believe in, in a lot of ways our churches here, right. Are going to have a season of struggling uh, as we kind of, hopefully, hopefully as we kind of separate ourselves uh, from the government because mm-hmm. separation of church and state isn't just for the state's protection. It's for the church's mm-hmm. protection. And you, you can right. see instances like this, instances all over the world where the church has gotten bed with the state and it's been a nightmare. It's never mm-hmm. been good ever. Right. So, right. you know, this is just, this is just one. They still struggle with it. It also gave what it else it did is in the future, right? Because of this mistrust, it gave the predator easy prey. 
mm-hmm. right? A lost and mistrusting group of the disenfranchised. Think about where he's getting these people from. Russia, mm-hmm. Ukraine, Belarus, all former Soviet states, right. right? Who all dealed with who all dealt with the same problem of mistrust of the church and the and the government. Now that we kind of we kind of looked at that, now let's look at some of these red flags of the stuff he believes. So first, we see that he takes some of his beliefs from a traditional denomination and then begins to kind of add his own truths. All cult leaders do this, mm-hmm. right? They will start with a template that has already attracted people. So they have a baseline by which they can follow, they can get people. Then they will start to add their own truths, right? They'll start to add their own truths. And then, and then what they'll do is they'll sit and wait and they'll see, okay, I said, okay. So I said, you know, Jesus Christ is the son of God. I said, we, you know, we're all, we're all created in his image. Now I'm going to say, I'm a prophet. What are they going to say? So say, you know, I'm a prophet. And then, you know, some people fall off and go, well, I don't know about that. And some people might go, okay, I want to hear what you have to say. And so with that group, he goes, okay, well, I'm a prophet and um, God is telling me that X, Y, and Z are going to happen. And then he kind of waits and sees. See, this predator base format these people, right? He can condition them and he can figure out the ones that he wants and the ones he doesn't want. And he can, you know, from the prey base, he can pick and choose who he wants. So they begin to have their own truths. Because they're just like the rest of the other Christians, right? I don't know how many times I've had a person tell me, well, I go to this house church. Now, I'm not anti-house church, right? The mm. The Christian church started in houses. But when I ask, okay, well, if you're part of a house church, cool. Why'd you guys leave the church you were a part of? And they said, well, we didn't agree with this, this, and this. Okay. Mm. And, you know, they'll ask me, hey, would, would you mind coming? Would you like to come to our house church? And I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that. Would you like to come to my church? Oh, no. What do you mm. mean, oh, no? Well, we're not allowed to do that. Why aren't you allowed to do that? Well, you know, a lot of a lot of the, you know, they'll try to find some cute way to say it. What they want to tell, what they mean is, you know, my church is something's wrong with my church, or we're, you know, mm-hmm. we're the devil. The organized religion is bad, um, mm-hmm. and they don't trust us. That's what they want to say, but you know, they find cute ways around it. It's a control piece, right? right. So they start they start this way uh, to be rooted in orthodoxy, and then they add these, you know, extra biblical things begin to creep in, you know, mm-hmm. like. Passports and taxpayer IDs hold demonic mm. signs, right? Kind of, it just creeps its way in, right? Which leads us to the next red flag: mm. isolation. Yeah. <laughs> Cult leader begins to isolate people here, right? And this guy does it by getting them to burn official IDs and passports. Now, remember, the Soviet mm. Union isn't a thing anymore; these are all independent nations. So, if I'm from Belarus and I'm in, I'm 400 miles southeast of Moscow, and I burn my passport, can I go back to Belarus? Right. Right. Absolutely not. Right. Right. Um, So this means this is a way of control, right? It means that Mm -hmm. they can't travel. It means they can't talk to people. They can't, they can't even go to the government for help because a lot of these guys, you know, the United States isn't the only country in the world that has visa expirations, right? When your visa expires, you're required to leave the country. And if you don't, there are penalties for that. Mm -hmm. So he's got them right where he wants them. Mm -hmm. They're stuck with him. They can't go nowhere. So it's important to point out that he went to other countries to do this and then said, hey, you need to burn your passports. Mm -hmm. So now we've convinced people we're orthodox, right? Because we sound Christian and we're also isolated now. And now the only person you can really hear from is the leader, right? You're isolated and dependent. And that's exactly where a cult wants you. Isolated Mm -hmm. and dependent on them and no one else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... Here, here we are, right? And this didn't take long. Right. 
it, and that's exactly where we're at in this moment. We live with this is this is irrelevant. When I tell people, when you know, the first step in knowing that you you're going down a dangerous path is when people are operating outside of God. Your pastor, your priest, whatever you whatever you call that, is not your Lord. That's right. They don't they don't have the biblical mandate or the godly mandate or the Christ mandate, whatever the mandate that they count to take away your choices. Mm-hmm. If, if you choose to do something wrong, but your driver's license, your, your passport has nothing to do with your membership at that church, period. Point blank. That's right. And, and so it's, it's like we, we're in a, we're in a time, you know, you, you start off and you say, you know, when they look back, at this time, we're looking back at that time, we and we're analyzing and breaking down now. The question I was saying, when people look back 50, 100 years from now, what are they going to say about us? Was this the beginning of something that we're talking about right now? Where, mm. You know, what we actually, we're actually having a debate over certain things right now that shouldn't be debatable. It, and, and it's in the house of God, that we, we've yeah. turned the house of God into a, a, a debate theater where we're, de- we're debating about certain things that we're dealing with now in our time. Well, we're a cult. I mean, was w- w- this where it started at? And, and, and all, it all got to do with choice. You have a choice to be who you are. And when people take your individuality away, when people take your choice away, that's the first step to, to cultivation because Jesus is, in our, Jesus is just the total opposite. You're free to do whatever you choose to do. Now, mm-hmm. you got to pay the consequences. But you're totally free to do whatever you desire to do. I'm not going to take away your choice. Right. Just make it wisely. Right. And so that's how you know you you're falling because those, those flags or isolationism, uh, control where you can't do this and that. That's where they want you because then now they become you become dependent. Right. And and you know how that how that ends up happening here, at least what I've seen in in the United States, right? Because culture is different. Our culture is very different from Russia's. Um, what I've seen in our in our churches here. I typically see these churches where people, they don't even understand their own faith. See, in Russia, they got an excuse. For for generations, they were not allowed to even look at a Bible. Okay? We don't have that excuse. No one's ever told me I couldn't read the Bible. No one told my father he couldn't read it, my grandfather. Our situation is a little different. You know, probably your grandfather, your great-grandfather may not have been allowed to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right? But... We've had a couple generations. We we've all had access to this book, but we don't take the time to study this book. Even though we we stake our eternal lives on what happens in this book and what it preaches, right? But we don't want to look at the book. We don't want to do the homework, right? So it kills me here when you know. Well, Jesus said. Jesus said I had to do this. Or Jesus, who you you spoke to? Jesus spoke to you. Well, the pastor said he had a word for me. Okay. Well. <laughs> I'm not trying to disrespect your pastor, but what he's telling you, Jesus said, is unbiblical. And if Jesus is a liar, right? Like if he if he goes if he contradicts himself, then why would you worship that God? Right. And then I get the blank stare. Like, well, no, it's not unbiblical. Yes, it is. Look, have you have you considered this verse? This verse? This verse? Oh, I never read it. I never looked at it. Well, that's the problem, right? We don't know our own faith. Right. In the same way, these people don't know their own faith, but. They have an excuse why they don't know their own faith. We have no excuse, and we continue to do it, which blows my mind. It, it's crazy. 
Yeah, you know, there's a reformation bubbling on the surface right now. Mm -hmm. Like Martin, there's a revelation that's going to overturn the Sunday centric, corporate centric. We, you know, when I look at Russia, that's one thing. But we, our issue is the state and corporate and being corporate tied that has infused the mind of Christ. Is really uh, we 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 become a cult of uh, personality where where it's more of a corporate type thing you build a you know celebrity mm-hmm. uh, they had that in russia but ours tends toward the celebrity the celebrity pastor the celebrity preacher that you know and so we are called called in that thing too which is just just as deadly yeah absolutely just as deadly yep and now while they, while they don't have uh celebrity preachers like we do what they have is they have preachers who uh, who the public view is is brave, right? These people who are mm-hmm. standing up against the government, mm-hmm. standing up against. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, they're willing mm-hmm. to exchange that for everything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so here's a quote from a Russian website. Like this is from the actual uh, documents when they when they were talking about this this group. Uh, so you have to forgive me if uh, it, it is not Russia's fault that this doesn't make proper English sense. If that's what you hear, but that is completely John's fault. So, uh, on entering the village, right, this village where they were, they found a large wooden cross. According to residents of Poganovki, uh, the sectarians, that's the word they use for cult members, right? Members of a sect. Mm-hmm. The sectarians never worked and were not allowed to send their children to school. Um, but means to life was somehow found, right? Like somehow they were still surviving even though they weren't allowed to go to work. Mm-hmm. The prosecutor's office reported that Kostnistov forbade his followers to watch television, listen to the radio take any money he forbade his parishioners to communicate with relatives like these are all signs of isolation mm-hmm. right if your pastor ever comes up to you and says well you know until your until your brother gets right with the lord you really shouldn't be speaking to him no wrong mm-hmm. you don't there's like you said we as true pastors of the word we we offer people a choice we don't we don't mm-hmm. mandate anything to people right. right that's not my job it's not your job right but when you mm-hmm. start doing things like this you know, well, because everybody's the devil except me. Everybody's evil mm-hmm. except me. Um, but you no- notice he didn't lead with this, mm-hmm. right? And that's the that's the trick with a cult. They start with common things. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. Okay, cool. We all believe that too. And then it turns into, well, the Bible is the Word of God, but God's made me the prophet. I'm the only one that can interpret it. If you listen to anybody else, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And here we are, right? That's how this. That's how this. That's how it ends up like this. He forbade provincials to communicate with anybody. And in the summer of 2007, it says at the door praying at home, um, basically what he was telling them to say was, uh, sorry, we have a vow of silence, right? Basically saying we're not allowed to speak to anybody because we got a vow of silence, except the leader. We can still talk Mm -hmm. to him, but nobody else, right? Mm -hmm. And that that is gross isolation. Now, does it happen like that in this country? Sometimes, right? But normally it's not that, it's not that stated, right? Normally it's, Oh, you're gonna you're gonna continue to talk to your brother the way. Okay, well we're just mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna treat we're gonna give you the side eye at church, and we're basically gonna guilt you out of the church where you leave, mm-hmm. right? You either leave mm-hmm. or get right, right? You get with us, and that, mm-hmm. that's how it happens here. We do it in the form of corporate classism, mm-hmm. you know, the, the classy, you know, the cliques we call cliques and things like that, you know. And and but the, but the thing about it, and what I really want to bring home to people that you really gotta understand when when and I heard people say this all the time. My pastor says I can't do this. Or mm. my pastor said you just said earlier that we can't go to other places. Mm. That that should never come. 
you you should if, if God's convicting you not to do something that is good well how it's supposed to be but no now if you ask your pastor's opinion and he gives his opinion on it or her opinion on it and you go from that that's different but when it's mandates right when when, when it's a simple thing that we don't call it it's so things like that that's when we get into a problem that's when you're building a cult leader because they want to keep your control why because they don't want you hearing anything else right. than the message that there's and it's all about when we dealing with a pulpit perpetrator people hear what i'm about ready to say the narrative and the message always has to be controlled right they have to have control. It, it, that's why take the passport, take the driver's license, don't go visit anywhere, don't talk to people, cut off from your family, because we got to make sure we control the narrative. Once we lose the narrative control, then we can't be a cult. That's right. Then all these other, all other stuff's going to start coming in. Mm-hmm. Whereas and God says, God says, go talk Jesus who talk to who you want to. Right. But I already know who I am. Right. You choose to follow me. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not cutting you off from anything. Right. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's the whole thing. And not only that, why would a God who's looking to show mercy to everyone cut you off from the very people that need it? Mm-hmm. Right. Why would he cut you off from people outside the church who need it? Right. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't he wouldn't do that because that's not that's not Orthodox Christianity. That is cult. Mm-hmm. And so then so after all this. Right. Because this is how it goes. This is how it always happens. Right. We act like we're mainstream. We say a few things to see who's going to stay and who doesn't. Those that stay, we now make big claims like money's the devil, everyone's the devil. And then once this happens, now the window's starting to close. The window to get out of this is closing, and it's closing fast, right? So the next step is usually the ultimate control, right? Controlling life. So basically what will happen in these instances, and it happens here too, is they get to this point where they can't talk to anybody, and then, you know, people will start to question, why can't I talk to anybody? And there has to be some big, overt thing that has to occur uh, to convince people, like, oh, he was right. This is going to happen. It's, you know, and it's always the end of the world, right? Mm-hmm. It's always the apocalypse. It's always, mm-hmm. let's pick four or five verses out of Revelation and terrify the people with it, right? Mm-hmm. So that they think, he's just trying to do the right thing by me. He's trying to save me from these things that are about to happen. Right. Of mm-hmm. course, the peace, all Christian, I can't speak for every faith group, all Christian cult leaders, people who come out of Christianity, used mm-hmm. to control people, the apocalypse, revelation, mm-hmm. all the time. Piotr stated to his followers after isolating them that the world would end on May 28, 2008. You see, once you are convinced that this is regular Christianity, and then you become isolated from anyone, so you really don't know that there is a difference between this and regular Christianity. Uh, right. And that you know you you you're not given any other train of thought. The cult leader can then begin to twist your faith, and the best way to keep control is to convince people you are their only way to survival in the end of the world, right? It's a it's a stated path. This happens every time. I wish Piotr was a that he was an outlier. Every cult leader does this. This is the same. Right. This is the same thing that Jim that Jim Jones used. It's the same thing Koresh used. It's the same thing the guy who did the Tokyo subway stuff. It's yeah. the same thing he did. Like all these episodes, this is always the common thread, right? This type of control. You know, once once you're convinced that the, oh, well, this is this is, not only is this regular Christianity, this is Christianity, and nothing else is. Everything right. else is wrong. He convinces them it's the end of the world. He convinces them to an ultimate isolation buried in the ground waiting for the end of the world. So these people dig a hole and bury mm-hmm. themselves in the ground. <laughs> There's dozens and dozens of people. So well, 
Now, again, we're going to go through some of these uh, some of these newspaper reports. Again, they're in all Russian. I'll try to break it down best I can. It said the name Kosnova, right? This guy appeared in print on November 13, 2007, when it became known that the group that a group led them to the sectarians. The exact number was not known. They were dug in a gully. They were dug in in a gully in Pogna, mm-hmm. in Pognavaki, right? This large mm-hmm. cave and sealed it, them and their children inside. Right. Right. It was reported that Kuznetsov inspired his parishioners in May 2008 that the end of the world was coming and is the only way to escape. Kuznetsov himself argued, one of my night visions was to seek safety underground. With the sectarians... They took gas cylinders and kerosene supplies. Uh, Father Peter, as he called himself, Kuznetsov and followers of his teachings did not go in the cave. So get this. He sends these people into the cave, into the world's coming, but he doesn't go with them. This is a big Mm -hmm. red flag. This happens every time with cult leaders, too. They're going to start to do things that you have to do, but they don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. These really harsh things. In American cults, I don't know why, I think maybe we're just more amped up on sex in this country, but how this usually plays out mm-hmm. in, in our cults here is everybody has to give their wife to me. No one can have sex with their wives. I'm the only one that can have sex with the wives, right? It's this, it's right. this extra layer of control, right? Right, And that's what happens here, right? But in this case, he gets them to bury themselves, but he doesn't go. Why? No, of course not. <laughs> so here's his excuse why. He said, I can't go because um, I have to go get more supporters and put them in the cave. Right. He's collecting mm-hmm. these people like a like dolls. Right. I got to put them in the cave. Um, you know, I got to go. I got to go and I got to strengthen their faith. I got it. But I can't go in the hole. I don't want to be. It's cold in there. I don't I'm not going in the hole. But y'all can go in the hole. So he gets money for the purchase of received supplies. Right. And so he does give them supplies, but they're buried. Right. Uh, one of the sectarians uh, sold his house, right? And so this is a common thing that happens. And we kind of, mm-hmm. and like the the guy we had last week that was convincing people to kill themselves to get their life insurance money, right? This is very similar. He convinces he convinces people to give up all their real property, right? And that's a game that's not just played in the church. That's a game that's played in politics. That's a game that's played mm-hmm. in oppression, right? The best way to get people to to disenfranchise people is to take away their real property. And when someone doesn't have real property and you own the real property, you have ultimate control over them. And so now mm-hmm. they're in this hole, right? The window's closed. I guarantee you somebody's dying at this point, right? Um, but he's he's now convinced them to sell all their things, burn all their documents. Like, the government doesn't even know these people exist now. Wow. So he sends people into a hole but doesn't go himself. Not him. No. No, no. No, no. 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 They, they never go. They never <laughs> sacrifice. Right. This is how you know. As a people always say, was Jesus was a cult. No, would a couple in. Here's why: because he sacrificed himself. A cult leader never sacrifices. They never give in. They never kill the baby. You don't sleep with their wife. They sleep with your wife. Right. They, don't, you, 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 they don't lose their identity. You lose your identity. They they don't they don't go hungry. That you go hungry. They. they they don't ever sacrifice. You you be, you are the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. This don't ever compare a colleague to Jesus. Would you? No, they're not. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He died for us. This is how you know that 
it's a they're not like Jesus because Jesus was very opposite of what they were. He was not a narcissist. He was humble. Mm-hmm. He was led. He was led to the to the slaughter like a the Bible said like a lamb led before the slaughter. He said, "You didn't take my life. I'm giving you. I'm laying my life down for you." For you. Right. And so that's how you know the cult leader. They never, ever, ever, ever give anything. Mm-hmm. You always got to be a sacrifice based on their word. Right. That's how you know. Yep, it is how you know. And and the only time so there so some people would argue well there are there are cult leaders that kill themselves and you're absolutely right but they kill themselves yeah. when they've lost yeah. control. Yeah, and they know the end is here. Right. But but very few die. But how many die alone? Never. Jim Never. Jones, Waco, Koresh. Yep. They don't, they don't die alone. They, they you know or, or you know everyone dies like, with them. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. And that and that's the thing, right? Like. And, and you're absolutely right. The antithesis to the gospel, this is this is true antichrist, right? This is antichrist mm-hmm. that the leader causes people to suffer when the Christian message is the leader has suffered for the people, right? It's a complete opposite message, but you don't sell that right up front. You slowly condition them to believe that this is acceptable behavior, and now you're in a hole, probably freezing mm-hmm. to death, right? So according to law enforcement agencies, among hermits, among these hermits were residents of the Penza region, but there were also a lot of foreigners, right? So in those who had taken refuge in the cave, uh, on Monday at the Interior Ministry of Belarus, six residents of the Brest region, so six Belarusians are there, uh, who had destroyed their documents, also found in the dugout was a Ukrainian citizen uh, with their three children. Uh, a woman for a time lived in Belarus and had a residence permit. You see how they play this game? They get you to come in on a visa, and then you destroy your paperwork, and you can't go back. Right? So the incident in the village, uh, law enforcement authorities have learned from a resident of Moscow uh, who could not get through to her mother, who had gone basically gone missing a couple months before that, so in October of 07. So, and this is usually how it happens, right? These people start to disappear, and people that normally wouldn't isolate themselves from their loved ones, the loved ones start to get concerned and they start to go looking for them, right? Why is the guy not talking to us anymore? Why is mom not calling anymore? And that's what happened here, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody knew these people were in a hole. <laughs> Nobody. Until <laughs> until people started going to look for their lost people, right? And so it just speaks to the isolation, right? That the, this guy was able to put in there. Uh, there was another in search of a mother who went... Um, went there. Uh, so the mother goes looking for this, this child, not finding anyone there, went to the police. It soon became clear that another 24 to 29 people went to live in the cave. Uh, in this cave, according to experts and Kuznetsova's own words, even though he wasn't there, <laughs> supported by the temperature of not more than 12 to 16 degrees Celsius. So, add, yep, add 32 degrees and that's Fahrenheit. Right. It, for Texas, that's way cold. I mean, it's cold for up here. I mean, we're talking, we're talking 12 degrees above freezing. We're talking low forties. Wow. Right. And they're out there in this, no electricity, no nothing. When people tried to make them come out, they threatened to blow themselves up. So this is how isolated these people have become and how mm-hmm. loyal they've become to this leader. Yes. Right. Is that they are willing to die for this man. The problem is this man won't even go into a cold shelter for them. Right. But do you see because now all this stuff has happened and no one's been there to stop it. and No one has stepped forward and said, hey, this is wrong. Now look where we are. Right. They're willing to die for this guy. They're threatening to blow themselves up if somebody tries to come in there and rescue them from a freezing hole in the ground. 
while Kuznetsov, while this guy, Casanova, Casanova, whatever, I'm done trying to pronounce his name. He just thought, you know, he's at his house with his with his heater on, having a good old time, you know, making money and making more parishioners, getting more people to go into the hole. So, and uh, we see we see it right now. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it happen right now. And if if you or not very young, so you you have to know what I'm saying. We're seeing it happening right now that people are putting themselves at risk for what? To make Pastor Hagee like me again, so I go to the no mask section and get coronavirus. That's why. I mean, for what? I mean, exactly. And, and, and that's and that's what we're doing because you know they're following some baseless. But they're so wrapped up in the personality. Mm-hmm. They're so wrapped up in it. You, you've been stripped of your own mind. Right. And that's, and that's the first step. When when you're in, it's nowhere in the word of God that your individuality is supposed to be stripped from you because you go to this church mm-hmm. or this, this pastor, this, this preacher. No, you don't supposed to be stripped of your mind. You, you don't want to be stripped of your own thoughts. You're supposed to be stripped of your own uh way of doing things that's not what it's about but that's what a cult leader that's what a narcissist bill just listen to me and i'll take care of you right and don't think for yourself nope can't we can't have people thinking for themselves that's crazy that that is definitely not what a cult leader wants we cannot think for ourselves right and to me that's the difference that's that's a huge difference between jesus and a cult leader jesus not only said think for yourself he said check it out Check me out. Mm-hmm. Taste and see that I am good. I'll, I'll prove it to you. You don't. You can go all around the world looking for stuff, and you're not going to mm-hmm. find anything as good as this, right? That I mean, it sells itself. You don't need you don't need Joel Steen with his perfect teeth up there. Trust me, the message will sell itself. In this mm-hmm. instance, it's exact opposite, right? You got to suffer for me, mm-hmm. right? You got to prove to yourself for me. So, mm-hmm. uh, so the prosecutor in this area tells the newspaper. Uh, that the grounds for the criminal prosecution in connection with this occurred while there, but the administrative records of the supporters uh, were drawn up. Later, it's nevertheless uh, prosecuted, um, and then they give the article of the criminal code, which is uh, so. This is what he, this is what he's being tried for: creation of a religious or voluntary association with the impulse of citizens to refuse to fulfill their civic duties or to commit to other unlawful acts. So this is part of that law that had been passed in '97. Right. Mm -hmm. That says you can't cults are illegal. You cannot do this. So so this occurs. Now, get this. He is going through his trial. These people are still in the hole. (laughs) This this man is this man is on trial and these people are still in the hole. Um, They they try. Yeah. They try to get this uh, this this priest from the from the actual Russian Orthodox Church to go to convince them to leave. They refuse. Uh, November 17th, he's arrested, sent to psychiatric evaluation. Um, the next day, the government in that region banned access to the area, right? So they're, they're no longer allowing the media to go try to get to the dugout. They were dealing with, you know, they're, they're trying to create a shelter, trying to convince them to come out. The step is explained to the officials that care about the safety of the people in the dugout, as well as the desire to preserve their lives, their health, their mental balance, right? Their mental health, I think is what they're what they're saying in English. Uh, Henceforth, as indicated on the website of the regional government, all essential information will be provided only will be provided only only to the media working group. Meanwhile, law enforcement officials uh, began to prepare for wintering near the cave. Mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is November in Russia. (laughs) 
but they haven't hit winter yet. December is when winter comes in Russia. And let me tell you something. If Napoleon couldn't defeat the Russian winter, I guarantee you 28 people in a hole aren't going to be able to do it either. No. Right. We're talking about the exact same area where half the French army froze to death is where these people are hiding. Right. Mm. So also in November, um, they actually, they actually find in a air, in another area of this region, there's this, uh, two women from Belarus with their three children who didn't make it to the caves before it was cut off. Right. Cause they weren't allowing people to go to the caves anymore. Mm-hmm. They locked themselves in a house and decided to wait for the end of the world there. So they weren't even in the cave. Whoa. This guy's not even there, but they are so convinced that this guy is right. They go find a house, lock themselves in it and were starving to death basically. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, if you think people can't get control of people, I'm telling you, right? Yes. This, this should be this should be a very scary reality to a lot of people. So it's reported alternatively. So here's what's going on in the cave. It's reported that they alternatively sleep in a pine coffin, praying and waiting for the apocalypse. Um, 27 people. Later, it was confirmed that 27 people had actually made it underground. It was argued uh, the list handed over to the law enforcement. Um, and priests who persuaded the sectarians to give their names so people will know for whom to pray. That's how they had to convince them to even give their names to the government. A priest had to say, Mm -hmm. people want to know who to pray for. Mm -hmm. Can we have your names for that? Right? And that that goes back to, so I get it. This this guy's a monster, right? You don't make it on this show without doing dumb stuff. Right. <laughs> but there's government culpability here, right? Like, yeah. and it's oh, yeah. not, it's not the current government. It's not the people. It's not those law enforcement guys that are there right now. It's the history of this nation, right? Mm. And it's interaction with religion and with people that have mm. created such a mistrust that they'll, they'll trust the monster. Right. Mm. And so here we are, right? They, they'll, they won't even give their names to anybody. They're freezing to death and they won't give anybody their names. Yep, so they're still buried in the cave. They brought specialists of the State Research Center for Social and Forensic Psychiatry, right? So now they got psychiatrists coming in. Um, mm. According to a senior assistant media relations, head of the investigation department, um, prosecutor's office, and uh, some other committee, I, I, I don't know the name. Um, they start que- Basically, they start questioning the leader and, and start investigating, like, how did he, how did this happen? Right. And so they, they, they then give this guy a psychiatric evaluation. Right. And basically mm-hmm. what they're saying here is that evaluation is not over. So we don't really know what to do with the leader yet. Right. He's in a warm jail. Well, maybe mm-hmm. warm. I don't know. Russia don't play. But <clears throat> I guarantee you he's warmer than the, than the hole. So in March 2008. So they're still in there. So November to March. That is the entire. That's the entire winter. In March of 2008, a flood begins to flood out the dugout. Uh, these sectarians are now getting flooded. It's flood. They're not leaving. It's filling up with water, and they're not leaving. In the wow. end, they had to ask for help to rescue. So finally, of course, when the dwelling was crumbling, hermits came out to the surface. They were based literally pushed out of here by water. Mm-hmm. The way I like to look at it is, it took an act of God to mm-hmm. get them out of that hole, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they surface. It's discovered that during the stay under the ground, uh, three sectarians had died. One was sick with cancer and the other two died observing a fast. Hmm. Three people lost their lives here. Right. And, and countless others are irreparably damaged. Right. Um, 
Later in 2008, after the psycholinguistic examination of the books seized from his house and him, uh, they open up a criminal case uh, about, and so they, they then charge him with inciting hatred or enmity on religious or ethnic grounds. Uh, in the same month, Kresnikov was declared insane. Uh, it was reported that thus he could not be prosecuted. Oh, insane. So he they declare him insane. He cannot be prosecuted. And he undergoes compulsory treatment. And as far as we know, I couldn't find any article that talked about a release. He's still alive. Um, but he is in an insane, basically the Russian version of an insane asylum. Mm. It brings up one other interesting thing. And it's, it's something that I really enjoy uh, talking about is psychiatric evaluation of mm. leaders, right? Psychology is not the devil. Psychology is actually a very solid science. Um, it doesn't deny God or all these other things I've heard about psychology. Um, but what it does do is it, it gives pointers to things like this, right? So this guy's insane. And to, I'll tell you what, to be found insane in Russia is no easy task. You think it's hard here? It is not easy in Russia because they, they like putting people in working camps, right? Like that's what they do. But this guy ends up getting an insane and he's, he's in treatment for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. So not only was this guy doing horrible things, it turns out he's bipolar. He's got, He's got serious mental defect. Now, who do you think in that group said, have you ever had a psychological evaluation? Probably no one. Mm-hmm. How many people in, in church today would go, did our pastor ever get a psychological evaluation? Well, we don't want to touch their anointing. You know, we don't want to, mm-hmm. we don't want to call them out. I mean, he's greater than psychology. Yeah, but God is greater than him. And God created psychology, right? Psychology doesn't exist without God. Mm-hmm. So it just brings like this last stab with this guy it's this last stab that we have to vet our leaders. We have to, because insane people don't know they're insane, right? They think everything they're doing is right. Um, it takes an outside influence to get that going. So a lot of failures here. Normally, I like to blame all of this solely on the person, right? It's This is the first one that I actually struggle with. It's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of blame to go around, right? Um, there's this guy, but... He came from a government entity that got in bed with the church. And this is why we do not, that's why I don't advocate for church and state being melded because this is what happens. This is a clear example of what happens when you allow the church to overrun the state. It becomes mistrusted to the point where people will die underground to not have to deal with the government or the church. You know, I, I, I've been doing a study, you know, and I understand what you're saying about we use the word that they, they ignorant, don't understand, but I mean, are they, in many cases, are, you, you know, we, we, we in a society right now, we in a culture, and I, I studied Jim Jones and people like that and Koresh. Um, I guess I'm using the word ignorant in the, in the, the very sincere sense of what it means. Mm-hmm. Ignorant simply means you don't know something. Which you 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 know, you have the information, right? right? You you're unaware of something. Mm-hmm. You know that's why I tend to go to more narcissists because these people, the, the the narcissist tendency, these people know what they're doing is wrong, right? They and so when when we say they're ignorant or they don't know, it's like we're almost giving them a pass for not. Mm-hmm. Know for not doing it. I know you're not, but I'm just saying. We, sure. I just want to be careful when I say that it, because 
you know, I'm looking at things in our society right now, and people know what they're doing. Right. You know, we, we my point, case in point, we know church leaders, political leaders, leadership have called this virus a hoax. Now you know, not so are they ignorant? Are they are they ignorant? Because you saw these people dying too. Mm-hmm. Now, and we talked about this. So the CDC and FDA and the U.S. military and all these networks are conspiring for this hoax. But you're saying that, you know, big time pastor, big time political leader, big time whatever, you're saying it's a hoax. Now, come on. <laughs> They're not ignorant. Why are they saying it's a hoax? This, this to the point we're talking about, to meet an agenda that they want to meet with their followers. Right. Because they want their followers to believe something because that's what they want to believe. So they say it's a hoax. Mm-hmm. They're they're not so in it. They they see these deaths and see these hospitalizations and stuff like that. That's my point. So I'm not gonna give them out to say they're ignorant. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna you, you're not ignorant because you see what's going on. Right. I mean, you know fundamentally that the, the whole world is not lying about a viruses out here. Mm-hmm. Now come on, I go to school every day. It's like a ghost town. Right. Because people are not sitting in school. Now, come on. Everybody is lying. But people are saying, yeah. oh, still today, this is a hoax. So when history looked back at us, what they say was ignorant? No, they would say, hey, people knew, particularly nowadays, they had the evidence and they mm-hmm. still did something. And so when I look at people like narcissists like this, yes, they got mental issues, but many these people know. I, I, I don't want to use the word you're ignorant because, no, you know that you're lying for a cause. You know that you're, you're, you're doing, you're doing it for a, for something that you desire from it. Mm-hmm. And you know that the lie is what you have to have, as you said earlier, based on some form of truth that you have. You have a little bit right. of truth, but you're still going to base it. The foundation is a lie because now you got the people to believe in you and really not the truth. And that's, and that's where we, uh, but you know, I want to hold these people accountable because these these people still got to be held. You might be sick, mm-hmm. but in many cases, your you, your sickness is is a narcissism. But you know that you're lying about the situation that you're te- you're, you're dealing with. That's not, that's the right. Point I want. Yeah, I would. Uh, and and I think that's why I would say this is a very unique case. Um, yeah. You know, normally everybody gets held accountable. Um, the the evidence for him though. Uh, and while I'm saying he, I think he's still accountable for what he did. I don't think anyone, nobody can argue what he did was wrong, but I think specifically in his case, right. Mm-hmm. Unlike these people over here that got mass sections and no mass sections where the virus might be real, but you definitely, if you believe in it, you're not in the in crowd. You can't be where we're doing the cameras, right? There's a big sure. difference between that and someone having bipolar disorder, right? Mm-hmm. The, you know, these guys that are doing this, they don't have bipolar disorder. Right. They got ego problems. Right? They, got, <laughs> they got ego problems. They got political problems. They got all these different problems. But it's not a they yeah, are crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you'll be surprised what, when the charges come. You'll be surprised. You'll yeah. <laughs> find a doctor to say something. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, right now, they don't have bipolar. But right. Right. You know, hey, when the charges come, you go. You, you, yeah. You're 100 right. Obviously. Yeah. But it, it, when you relate to us, you know, this these people know. Yeah, this this was a whole different situation. It was he he was yeah it was it, he was mentally Russia. We deal with Russia. We know his Russia. You understand what he was dealing with. Yeah. But these people here in our age, no. 
Yeah, no, it's not. It's not the Harvey Weinstein walk. You know, man's walking just fine when he's making millions of dollars and raping people left and right. But he's in the courtroom with his walker and he looks all infirm. Like, come on, man! You think anybody believes that crap? You think anybody up there believes that? Come on, man! It's it's you know yeah it's and that's why we got to be so we got to study history, study culture to, to understand what it, what it's being term Cause it can, it can certainly happen here where, where it, we, we seen it now where churches are saying that, you know, if, if, if the, the government shuts down the church, like you said, they infusing this religion and church together, mm-hmm. you know, can the government shut, can the government shut down your church for the protection of public safety? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If the pastors are too, whatever, cause they need money, we talk money, whatever right. needed, not shut it down. Is that a, is that a, a right. or, or that's a, see, yeah. 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 And it goes both ways, right? Anytime yeah, the church and state gets involved, you know, they're not shutting your church down. We're, we're on zoom mm-hmm. right now. We're 2000 right. miles away. Nobody's right. shutting down my show. Yeah. Right. Nobody's stopping me. Um, but see, I'm not in control of you, but right. it's like, it's like, I'm not in control of you on the zoom. That's right. Like when, when, when I can see you face to face, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a, come back to what I, it's about the control. Mm-hmm. I need to control you. I need to see you. I need to, you know, physically see you to be in control. That's right. Don't be cultish. That's cultish. Yeah. <laughs> That's cultish. But yeah, so that, that is Pyotr, uh, Kuznetsov and the tr- in the true Russian Orthodox Church, not the Russian true Orthodox Church or the Russian Orthodox Church, but the true Russian Orthodox Church. True. Um, and as we know, the true Russian Orthodox Church is the uh, the uh, fundamental Church of Christ Baptist Independent Church of Arkansas of Russia. So. Um, if there's a church out there like that, I apologize if that's your actual name. Well, one, I apologize if your name is so long, but two, I didn't mean to call you out. Um, but yeah, so that's that's Pyotr out of Russia, and uh, you know, uh, thanks for thanks for stopping by, uh, Bishop, and you know, hanging out to to call out another pulpit perpetrator. You know, we ask again, you know, yeah. thank you guys so much for listening. Every time you do, we appreciate it so much. Um, just to, please don't forget, give that uh, that five star rating. Give that. Uh, you know, any anything helps. Anything helps. And we look forward to doing this in the future. And until next week, uh, keep calling them out. <laughs>